everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. We are Kayla and Aaron, and as always, super excited to be here. For those of you who are new here, welcome. And for those of you that have been listening to our whopping two podcasts and two episodes, thank you and welcome back. We are here to tra- tri- triathlon, life, coaching, and well, everything that we can in between. Kayla, myself, is a professional triathlete coach and mom to two little boys. And Aaron is an elite amateur triathlete, triathlon coach, and swim coach. We also have a little co-host here that you cannot see. Baylor sitting in my lap right now. So hopefully he well, lets us get through this without too much distraction. So um, <laughs> if you hear random noises in the background or, you know, the potential for me having to stop and pause and yell at him for not touching something he's not supposed to touch, um, that is why. So um, Aaron is an elite amateur triathlete, triathlon coach, and swim coach. Um, We both have an extreme love and passion for the sport and are here to share it with you. Before we totally dive in, just a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you ever have any questions for us, please send them our way at www.wearyourfeettakeyou.com slash podcast. We love your questions. So keep sending them their way. That way we can give you guys kind of, yeah, the content that you would like to hear. So, all right, enough of that. Let's just dive right in and let's see. Aaron, how's your week been? We haven't chatted much this week. How's your week been? It's been okay. Um, Might have had a little too much fun Saturday and I've been paying for it a little bit the last two days, but still got my Uh, bike ride in yesterday and executed it well. Um, But getting into things, I guess. Didn't you go to the waste management tournament on Saturday? I did. And that led to a night in Old Town afterwards and um, Mm. was out definitely a little too late and did not recover the way I probably should have. But, you know, I'm an amateur triathlete who does this for fun. And sometimes I need to be social. And that is okay. It happens. happens to all of us. We've all done it more often than not. Well, not more often than not, but it does happen. It's kind of one of those where sometimes you just just roll with it, but you still got your bike workout in, so that's, you know, that's key. I did. No, I did. And it was probably an important session because it was very focused and I was able to stay in arrow for a while, but. uh... Oh, yeah. Baylor says, "Uh uh-oh, Aaron, you drank too much last night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not last night, but the night before. Not last night, Baylor. A couple nights ago. Silly, silly Baylor. (laughs) (laughs) How's your week going, Kayla? How's the trip? Oh, it's been good. Yeah, we've been in Mexico for about a week now. We leave tomorrow. Um, It's been good. It's been a lot of fun. We've, uh, it's been busy. Let me just say that uh, vacations with young kids is so different. And I mean, totally fun and totally awesome and totally worth it. We definitely... Like when we had kids, we were very adamant that we we're not going to be mom and dad who we just never did anything just because we had kids. We take our kids everywhere and we want to. That's how I grew up, right? I grew up going everywhere with my parents. We did all sorts of adventures and things like that and went places and traveled and they brought they brought us everywhere and we wanted to do that with our kids. But, oh boy, it is definitely different. You have to manage the busyness of them, like you get zero relaxation time. And then, you know, the lack of schedule kind of creates 
issues sometimes with sleeping and crankiness. And for those of you that have not met Baylor and Skylar, they are extraordinarily high energy. <laughs> extraordinarily. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> and um, so they like last like one hour in the room and then we have to get them out and then just managing their energy is like takes more energy than we have. So, um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, the boys have basically played in the sun and the, the pool and they have a water slide here that Ooh. Baylor loves. He would go down the water slides all day long, all day long. This kid is, I don't know if he's going to be an adrenaline junkie or what, but he has no fear. <laughs> It's kind of terrifying. <laughs> uh, like face first down the slide. Like we got talked to by the lifeguards because our one and a half year old was going face first down this like <laughs> zipping fast water slide. And then he'd get done and he'd like do the sign for more and be like, ma, 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 ma. And like vibrating because he wants to go do more. Oh, you're going to have to keep an eye on him for the rest yes, of his life. For the rest of his life. <laughs> we have a feeling he might be our child and uses up all of our medical insurance. It sounds like he might be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very good chance of that. But other than that, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I haven't really done much training, which was easy to like manage mentally before at the beginning. But as we've gotten like further down the week, it's been, oh, I just got water spilled on me by Baylor, um, has been harder and harder to kind of manage, um, like mentally just feeling really behind and like I've gained a million pounds and, (laughs) you know, none of that is true. Correct. (laughs) Even though all of it is ridiculous and none of it is true. I've maintained like anywhere between 40 and 70 minutes of movement or exercise riding the exercise bike or whatever each day and i know that's you know all i need to do but it's hard not to overthink it as we all know yes very hard (laughs) especially just for elite athletes with big goals it's really hard to just be okay taking time away even though i think in the long run that's the best thing for you because you're making memories that you'll remember for the rest of your life oh yeah and that's way that's the more important piece like you know even though now I do this as a career um the the time with my kids is more important it always will be and time with my family like my parents are down here and they get to spend time with the kids and that's always going to be the more important piece for us so mm-hmm. it'll be, it's good. It's not going to, I'm not too worried about it. Um, I basically dive right back in when I get home and then we've got racing coming up real fast and yeah. we'll just get after it and do the best we can. So, um, yeah. And then on top of that, we have, our family has some very exciting news. Um, we, Brandon got a job in Arizona. So we are moving to Arizona. Aaron's excited. (laughs) I'm very excited. Yeah, we're excited. Um, We sold our house. I can't remember if I texted you that. Congratulations. Um, That's awesome. And now 
Yeah. And now we need to find a house ourselves, which is proving to be stressful to say the yeah. least. Yeah. So while we were in Arizona last week, we did like a mass house hunting search and, um, Oh, it's exhausting. Um, and then just trying to find one that fits the family is challenging and yeah. making, you know, it's a big decision. A lot of little moving parts and pieces that go along with it. And yeah, Brandon and I have are semi on the same page. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll find something that fits both your needs at some point. Might take will. a little longer than you'd want, but we will. Yeah, we totally will. So, but that just that definitely adds another, you know, a little bit of a layer to everything that we've got going on. Our goal is to be in Arizona like May 1st. So Okay. Yeah. It's time to time to find a house. So yeah. anybody has a house Exciting if they're selling stuff. in Verado. <laughs> that's what we're looking. <laughs> I do not know anyone out that way, but if I hear of anything, I'll let you know. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, we've got, it's kind of crazy. We've got a lot going on, so it'll be a lot of fun. So, you know, going to be a really busy spring with uh, me racing and then moving and, but yeah, should be a lot of fun. So cool. All righty. Well, should we dive into some of our topics? Let's do it. All right. So um, one of the things that I have noticed, um, and this is something I notice all the time, like as a coach, and I've noticed, you know, over the years, um, is around like that eight to 12 week out mark, a lot of athletes start to really, especially big races, and like we're really talking specifically when um, we've got athletes that race full distance races. Um, so the, one of the big ones that's coming up um, right now is Ironman Texas. And right, I think we're, ooh, are we like nine weeks out from Ironman Texas right now? But I really start to get, I get a lot of messages and, 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 and notes and, and training peaks like, oh, I think this race is a bad idea. I'm not going to be ready. I'm going to be a failure. I won't be able to do it. Um, and I just start to, oftentimes what it often starts to lead to is they start to miss sessions or they start to really bomb sessions. And then right then, then that fuels the fire of, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. And it, it's pretty standard around this time frame to start to see this. But it's one of those things where my number one thing is to always tell athletes, like, you guys, we've got, we've got you know, eight to 12 weeks. That's two to three months still before, before race day. You've got lots of time. We haven't even, we've barely even dove into your work yet. You mm -hmm. will be ready. Don't put the cart before the horse. Right. Well, if you worry about something that is 12 weeks away, all you're going to do is give yourself every reason to fail. Rather than staying present in doing the consistent work on a day to day basis. And knowing and trusting the process. Right. You can't get to the top of the staircase without climbing the stairs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's. Some of the significance of a coach too is the coach has put in all the thought for you into your training and getting you ready for this race and you've just got to trust no, them because no. they know what they're doing they know how to get you ready no, no. to race and 
quite frankly, the big mileage weeks don't even come until four to eight weeks out most of the time. That's when you're going to start yeah. seeing that run volume with the bike volume. Um, and you've just got to trust the process and trust that it will come for race day and just let it go because worrying about it's not going to do anything. Yeah. I mean, it has a lot to do even too, like we talk about that in on race day, right? Like this was something that as you've really grown kind of throughout the sport that we've talked with with you is this idea of not worrying about mile 20 of, of the run when you're only on mile 20 of the bike. You still have to get through the bike. You got a lot of miles mm -hmm. to get through. And if you're focusing on something that's way too far in advance, then you're not being present in what you need to be doing right now. And then you're not going to be focusing on the little things that you have to do in order to execute the time frame that you're in. And the more that you focus on staying present within the space that you're in, the, the, the more that you're going to actually execute in that space. Mm -hmm. And I think that also leads to the significance of having training goals to go along with your race goal. Um, because if you have training goals, it gives you something to focus in on in those next eight to 12 weeks before a race to help you get ready for the race and to help you feel successful and that you've done things that you can feel proud about before the race. So when you get to the race, you know you've already accomplished all these things and the race is just going to be the cherry on top. Yeah. And it has a lot to do too with uh, like, I love that. And it really comes down to also like the idea of the more that you can enjoy the journey and the process, the race, the race is a really small portion mm -hmm. of what you're doing, right? It's one day. Yes. It's the, the, the piece that you're working towards, but everything that you can't get to the race without going through all of the steps and that those steps are where you learn the most. That's where you grow where you get faster, stronger, better, mm -hmm. you learn more about yourself. And the more that you can focus on that piece of it and enjoying that part of it, then the better the race actually will, will go. Right. I know I always, when I talk with my like mental performance clients, I know I've showed you this like diagram, like I use that staircase analogy, right. Where you start at the bottom and then you have your outcome at the very top of the stairs, and the outcome is only 20% of the whole piece. Yep. The whole journey is 80% of it. That's the staircase that you have to climb. And if you're worrying about what's at the top of the staircase, then you're never going to get to the top of the staircase because you're just going to keep hitting all these roadblocks and obstacles. Yeah, this conversation actually reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from the book Leave No Doubt by Mike Babcock. I actually have the name of the book tattooed on my rib cage because that's how much of an impact it's had on me. But I have the quote written on my mirror right now, and it's every day is a chance to get better. Every day you have a chance to deliver. That's where the excitement, joy, and fun are. You have to enjoy the grind or you'll burn yourself out before you reach your goal. And you have to embrace and celebrate each day for the progress you make. If you don't feel like you've made progress, celebrate your efforts. Success is a marathon, not a sprint. And endurance means, and endurance needs joy. Baylor. And it just reminds me of like celebrating all the accomplishments you've had in training 
and yeah. that where this is supposed to be fun. All of us do triathlon because we find some enjoyment in it. And you've just got to keep enjoying your workouts um, and enjoying the training and enjoying the process and not worrying about if you're ready or not. Because if you just keep focusing on the joy of the sport and the daily grind and celebrating the progress you make each and every day, um, then come race day, you will feel prepared and you will feel ready to go. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you really said right there about the idea of um, celebrating like the little pieces within each session because each session isn't going to be a hero session. In each session isn't going to go great. In fact, a lot of them probably are going to suck, but that doesn't mean that you're not making progress. You have to look at progress as a vast concept. And not only look at progress from, uh, you know, a very limited idea of, I just have to get faster because progress is so, there's so much to it. It could be, mm -hmm. you know, that you were able to run the whole time instead of the time before you had to walk a little bit. Maybe you went slower, but you actually had to, you were able to run the whole time and that's progress. And that's if, a big thing can, with my... That's a big yeah. thing with my swim analysis clients too, is that a lot of times when we're fixing technique based things, we get slower before we get faster mm -hmm. um, because we're making yeah. corrections and our body aren't used to the corrections. But if you can tell that the technique's getting better, that your RPE is getting easier, you got to celebrate that and know that we're moving in the right direction. And ultimately that's going to make you faster in the long run. Yeah. hundred percent. It really does. And that, you know, and that, that's something that you've really, like, that was a big shift for you. Like when you made that shift yourself as an athlete, like, it was amazing how you all, especially running, like we talk about running for you, right? That was a big mm -hmm. shift for you once you started really focusing on that. Cause you kept always saying like, I just, why am I not, I'm not getting faster. I'm not, or I'm not where I want to be. And it's like, well, you're getting there. Like yep. you were last week, your endurance effort was nine minute mile this week. It was eight forty five, And you told me it felt easy. That's awesome, mm -hmm. right? It's just a, the more that you can really embrace, you know, progress as a, a kind of opening your mind to what progress can look like, the more that you're going to kind of get from it. And like you said, find joy in it. Yeah. And I really do think so, finding joy, what's going to lead to you being the most successful, um, because if you're having fun, you're able to let go of mm -hmm. all the negatives a lot yep. easier yeah and i mean let's be honest not everything about triathlon is fun sometimes it sucks <laughs> and sometimes it's boring because it is yes. sometimes you do the same workout over and over again every week and that's there's nothing wrong with that in fact you should be doing sometimes you should be doing the same workout over and over and that's one of the big things i definitely see like when you compare like professionals versus age groupers is always constantly professionals do the same session every single week and it'll be a boring session. But what they're doing is trying to either get better each week or they're trying to get their resilience within that session. And a lot of times as a coach, I have age groupers will get really frustrated or be like, oh, I'm bored. Well, you're supposed to be bored. Sometimes you have to be mm -hmm. bored out there. You can't have variability all over the place or your body is never going to actually adapt to what you're doing. And so sometimes triathlon's boring. Training for it's boring, it's hard. Not always easy. So when you can do the little things that create joy within it, it makes those sessions better. 
and easier and more mentally able to attack them and get after them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think those sessions that are really boring and we don't want to do them, that's where it becomes more important to remember, to remember our goals and to remember why we do this sport. Like for me personally, I love the idea of trying to get as close to my potential as I possibly can. And I find a lot of joy in chasing that potential. Um, And a lot of times I know to get as close to the potential as I can, it requires me doing a two hour trainer trainer session where it's 15 minute intervals. It's boring as hell. (laughs) But I also know they're necessary. And it's going to I always feel bad when I program those for athletes. Because I'm like, oh, I hate doing these myself, but I know how good they are. <laughs> it was so boring. It was like 15 minutes at 70%, 15 minutes at 80%, 15 minutes at 90% or something with like out any time mm-hmm. to sit up in between. And I was like, this is so boring. But so I know hard. it helps me. So and I know it going to help me get as close to my potential as I can. So I'm going to do them yeah. and I'm going to try and find joy in it because that's why I do this sport. And that's what I love about this sport. Exactly. Nope. I agree. So yeah, I think really the takeaway here is that, you know, stay present within, if you stay present within the space that you're in and the time that you're in, you, you'll, you'll get to where you need to go. But if you're trying to put the cart before the horse, then you're going to miss the time in between. And mm-hmm. I mean, that is so they can say that with almost anything in reality, but okay. We had another question that um, I wanted to go over that I was um, thought was kind of fun is what is your favorite sport of the three? <laughs> so swim, bike, run. So for those of you that maybe are not, you know, new to the, new to this podcast and what triathlon is. Triathlon is swim, bike, and run. You do them all at one time. Well, not one time, but you do them back to back. That'd be I know pretty impressive you if know... you did them all at one time. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, most people usually have a favorite. So, Aaron, what's your favorite of the three? It's a really hard question, and I feel like my oh, answer wow. changes quite frequently right. depending on where I am in training. Um, but... Uh, it's definitely not swimming. Um, did I think a lot of people are going many, to agree with me on that one? Years of competitive swimming, oh. and I just don't. I there was a lot of things that did not go great in my swim career. Um, I still love swimming. Yeah. It's just I like biking and running more. I would say yeah. when I'm feeling good on the bike, like saddle sore free, I feel like my position is right. I love biking. However, if I have a saddle sore, if like my seat position slightly off, if I get a flat tire, if I have to go spend a thousand dollars to get something new for my bike, absolutely hate biking. <laughs> it's just a giant money expenditure, I feel like. Um, and then running is just, I always feel so accomplished after running because I think running's one of the harder one, at least for me, it's the harder, the three sports. Um, so the feeling I get of accomplishment I get from it is really nice feeling. Um, so right now I would say running's my favorite, 
but there are days where I love biking. So Kayla, how about you? That was a very long answer to a very short and straightforward question. I don't know. I'm kind of in maybe in the same. Was that funny, Baylor? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I definitely, swimming is not my favorite Though I, I will say that there have been, like, there are some times, sometimes when swimming's like, I'm actually in a groove with it. I actually look forward to going to the pool. Um, but never, but ever, going to be my favorite, ever. I'm usually like, okay, just get me done with the swim so I can get on the bike. <laughs> I huh. like the swim in racing. I think it's Yeah, that's because you're fun. fat. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, like, half dying while you're out there. <laughs> Like the rest of well, us. Well, like Kona was so mortals. cool because you just saw all the fishes and yes. stuff. Yeah. How are we yeah no, Kona swim is really great. Fun, so. uh-huh. yeah. But running has always been one of my favorites. Um, I'm, that my, what I did growing up. I was a runner and I'm good at it. It's fun, it's fast, hard. Um, I love the feel of like when you just feel like you're really in that zone and you're just you're just going for it and everything's clicking on the run and um but I've also really I love to ride my bike I really do I love riding my bike um so I I don't know if I initially have like a favorite I have like you said there's times where sometimes I like things better than others um it's rare I dislike running um but yeah so I'd say you know between those Biking and running in Mama. pretty close, close tie. Mama, so, Mama, Mama. Um, yeah, those are kind of that piece. And then on this idea, the topic of favorites, let's just say, what is so far out of kind of I know, racing that you've done, what's your favorite race? Course, race, you can look at it from any standpoint. What's been your favorite so far? Um, like looking at my medals now. Um. So obviously Kona is amazing. Really hard. Um, love the atmosphere and the vibe. And I like the out and back bike course. I yeah. loved the swim. I mean, I got to see a rainbow when I started the bike course, like over the yeah. ocean. And that was gorgeous. And I love the challenge of it. Um, but I also really liked doing USAT nationals, Olympic age group nationals. Um, I think part of it for me was I didn't feel any pressure for myself. I had no expectations for myself except just to try and attack the bike and attack the run. And if I die, I die. And that was kind of my mindset yeah. going into it. Um, but I just thought it was a really fun race. So I would that's a really fun race. I did that one back when I kind of first got into the sport. And I remember just thinking that's just such a great race. And I definitely think it's something that if you get a chance for anyone, if they get a chance to do, they should do because it is a lot of fun. It's got a great atmosphere. It's run really well. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I did however, I will say if that race I'm planning on being in Milwaukee that weekend this year, but if the PTO offers the 100K distance to age groupers, I definitely want to try and do that this year because that yeah, sounds like I a think lot of fun too. Yeah, yeah, I agree very much. Yeah, that's kind of one of my goals as well is to try to get to that race. I don't totally know how that's possible for a rookie triath- pro triathlete, 
because they I don't quite know how it works, but they only take like the top 40 or something. Then you have to get invites. Mm -hmm. So not really sure how to make that work, but that's my goal. Try to get there. So, um, yeah, I think those are fun races. I agree with you though. What I, are your favorites? Oh man, I've got a few. Um, I really love the Coeur d'Alene course. Um, it's challenging. The run is amazing. Um, the, it's, it's the, the spectator atmosphere is just fabulous. Um, you know, Coeur d'Alene really comes out in, in droves for it and everybody's just so into the, into it. And, um, it's beautiful for those of you that have never been to Coeur d'Alene, it really is pretty. Um, so that's definitely way up there on tops of my favorites. Um, I also really love the Chattanooga course. Um, but I think that's because I've always raced really well there. I always do really well, um, but it's a lot of fun. Definitely plays I a just, role. Like, it does play a role, <laughs> um, but it's cha it's challenging, but not like crazy challenging. You know, for those of us that suck at swimming, it's a downriver swim, <laughs> which plays to my benefit. Um, so I would hate that race. <laughs> you would, because it doesn't like right as a good swimmer, a downriver swim doesn't really give you that much extra benefit. It just yeah. doesn't like, yeah, maybe you could get a little bit faster, but you're not going to be like astronomically faster. Um, so those are definitely some of my favorites. Um, I'm, I'm trying some new races this year, which is kind of exciting. So like Oceanside, I've never done before. I'm excited to try that one. Um, I'm contemplating, you know, Oregon 70.3 and putting that on the schedule. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to kind of try some. That's new... another downriver swim, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I, I've heard like I've heard really good things about the the race in general. So um, yeah, we'll see. Um, awesome. Okay, so um, enough on that. Um, <laughs> well, we got another question from Blake who put in one last week, but he has a question about hydration I'm on sorry. the bike, and he said, "No." <laughs> Thank you, Baylor. Um, he said, "Hey, Kayla and Aaron, no. I have a question about hydration no. on the bike." All right. Sorry, everybody. Baylor's stealing my microphone. Um, he said, I have a question about hydration on the bike. In the first few triathlons I ever did, I experienced cramping on the bike. And this is true. So while it may have been overexerting in those first races, I also found that increasing water and sodium helps keeping the cramping from occurring. Um, in his last race at Daytona, um, he started with about five liters of liquid on the bike um, with both electrics and fuel and did not have any cramping. And I will say, as his coach, he had a huge PR. Why? Because he didn't end up bonking the run and having to walk. Um, but he does wonder if carrying that much water may have impacted the weight and speed of the bike. What do you have suggestions about balancing fueling, hydrating the bike weight? Do you bring electrolytes, mix them with water on the course? Do you super saturate? Or do you just understand that a small sacrifice in speed is the tax to not cramp? Um, this is a good question because fueling is so important. Um, Baylor's extremely cool. So, oh boy, yeah, he's got a lot to say for everybody. Um, and I think it's one of those where at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, 
is it more important to get the fuel you need and sacrifice just a little bit of weight and not cramp and have to walk where you're going to potentially could potentially lose like 30 minutes of time or do you want to maybe gain a minute of time on your on the bike right because it's one of those where as an as especially at the kind of the age group level um which you know i believe is with the majority of these listeners like our goal is to just do the best that we absolutely can and it's more important to get the fuel that you need because your body has to have fuel in order to perform. If it don't have that fuel, you're, you're going to do exactly what I said. You're going to potentially cramp. You're going to potentially end up walking. And it's much better to sacrifice what could potentially be like a minute of time um, to not cramp. Now, you know, at the professional level, that, 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 that's a little bit, there's a different, different conversation because every every second can count sometimes but at the same time if we're talking long course triathlon it's called long course triathlon for a reason it's long you are out there for four five six seven eight right upwards of 17 hours depending on who you are and you have to fuel that and if you don't you will not accomplish what you're going to do just not not going to um and so i'm always a proponent of fueling is more important. Um, I carry all my fuel on my bike. I have three water bottles and um, a uh, speed fill, or not speed fill, but um, an, an aero bottle that I carry all of it um, on there. And then um, I'd, I'd rather have it because I've had such, I mean, Kona's even a good example for me. Like I probably didn't bring it up with me and I, I bonked on the bike and I had, I lost a lot of time. I probably lost 15 to 20 minutes on the bike because I didn't have enough and that made my run harder, which probably cost me from getting in the top five. I think having the extra weight is totally worth it when it comes to fueling because it will make a difference later on in the race. Um, The minute you might have gained from the extra weight off the bike is going to be insignificant compared to the 20 minutes you might lose on the run because you didn't fuel and you have to walk walk because you're bonking. Um, And there's always the option of on-course nutrition. However, I think it's really important to find which fueling source works for you. And if that's the Gatorade Endurance and you can solely rely on that, then I guess go for it. Um, but I think most yeah. of us probably need a higher calorie calorie uh, fuel bottle, at least one that we carry with us. Exactly. Um, yeah. And for super saturating, like you had a question about that. Um, I'm always very hesitant to super saturate more than about two servings in a bottle of anything because you just don't know how much it is that you're actually consuming when you do that. And our gut can really only handle so much at a time. It won't. It just won't um, absorb our, our 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 nutrition, our, our electrolytes, our fluid. And if you super saturate, there's times where you could be overloading the gut, and then you're not spacing it out as well. You're not, you know, you're not giving your body kind of what it needs. So I'm always really hesitant to have athletes super saturate. Um, I had one athlete that we had doing that for a little while just because it was the only way that would work. And it, it did not work. We backed him off of that 
and it was a huge difference when I backed it off of it um, and got rid of kind of the oversat, the super saturating your bottle. Um, so I usually never recommend saturating more than about um, two servings in, in, one, in one bottle. Then you're just, and by two servings, usually that means like you would drink that bottle in about a 90 minute, 90 minute max two hour range versus a, um, uh, versus a, um, like one hour range. So just give you more space, like gives you a little bit longer. So you don't have to carry quite as many. Like for me, what I do is I make 90 minute bottles. So I, I carry three of them and then I go in, in a full distance, I grab one from personal needs so that I have a total of four um, fuel bottles. And then my air bottle, I refill with water at every aid station. I think that's kind of similar to what you do. Yeah, I have two bottles in my air bottle on my bike. And then the arrow bottle that came with the bike, I actually have all my tire change stuff in. Um, but I'll drink my two bottles through the first half of a full distance bike. And then I have two bottles in special needs that I'll replace. And I tried doing the mixing on the course instead of stopping at special needs during Ironman Texas. And it ended up just being kind of hard and to like time it right and I yeah. would rather just have my bottles and special needs and just be able to grab and go um than having to like take the time to like just mix um I think the other thing like when you're talking about nutrition and fueling is that you have to practice it yes in training yes. um and that's gonna be the main thing because Let's say you just decide to super saturate on race day instead and without ever having done it in training, it's probably going to backfire. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to. It will backfire. <laughs> um, so that's why yeah. even with on-course nutrition stuff, like if you plan on using on-course gels, you should probably <laughs> buy Morden gels to use in training um, mm -hmm. because that's what's going to be on course because your stomach, a lot of people's stomach can't tolerate different types of gels like find one no, that works true. for you and count on it I'll give you a really really fun story about what happened at Kona due to trying on course nutrition <laughs> <laughs> it was not a fun experience but now it's a fun story <laughs> it also cost me the you had some five, digestive so issues yeah, we'll just leave it at issues, Kayla? digestive issues. Just, just some <laughs> slight digestive issues that uh, <laughs> really reared their ugly head at about mile 21, 22. And that's why we'll go into any detail about it. Water yeah, so that's why using during training what we plan on using during a race can be really important. And, key. and taking the time during training to like try, you can not be afraid to try different things sometimes. Like yeah. give you that space to try them to see what does work. Because, um, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you just, yeah, you need to. So I think we both are in agreement that um, feeling is way more important than the little bit of weight that it could take you. Um, yes. 
because um, yeah, I, I really think, and I could be very wrong here um, because I, well, I, we are obviously not an expert at this with the weight to <laughs> speed anything. I mean, we're not experts at any of this. We're literally just sharing our knowledge at, you know, from what we've learned throughout the years and as coaches and our, our opinions, right. We're not experts of any of this, but I know for me, I'd rather even myself racing, I'd rather have the, the, the fuel than worry about the fact that my bike yeah. is a tiny bit heavy at this exact moment. Yeah. And I think both of us have pretty big goals for what we want to accomplish in this sport. And we're still saying like, yeah, we'll take the extra weight. Um, because yeah. when we look at our pros cons list, it's just worth it. I mean, I just bought crank arms that are technically heavier than my last ones because I needed to get, or my bike fitter recommend, uh, crank arms that were like 10 millimeters shorter or sent me out. Measurements are not my thing. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. but in my head and it's because Shimano didn't make 160 crank arms in the Ultegra ones. So I got the 105s. Um, but to me having that little extra weight is okay because I it will mean my hips are probably going to be healthier and as someone with hip issues yeah. I was like if I can get better training in and don't have to back off because of more, and more consistent training in much, yeah yeah then my then my weight then the extra weight on my bike is negligible like it won't matter compared to me getting training yeah. in. so I think of the same thing with fueling the extra weight is fine because I'm going to be better off on the run because I feel properly. hundred percent, hundred percent. Totally agree. Yeah. So hopefully Blake, that answered your question. Um, and as your coach, Blake, I can tell you that you need to make sure that you get the electrolytes and fuel that you need in. If you're listening, we can also have this conversation at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, so we're going to transition from hydration on the bike. We're kind of going like back and forth between like mindset type stuff and then their pieces. But um, what let's just kind of go over like one of the number one questions that I always get from people um, is what do you say to yourself when things get tough on the race course? I really just I feel like one of the number one questions I always get is like, what do you talk to yourself? Like, what do you what goes through your mind like when you're out there for 10, 11, 12 hours? <laughs> um, that's like one of my biggest, I feel like, especially people that maybe aren't as like in no into triathlon as much. And um, <laughs> Baylor's not very happy in case you guys can't hear him. Um, what do you like? What is it that you talk to yourself about the whole time? And it's like amazing the things that can run through your head. Um, I know for me, like the number one thing that even like when things aren't tough, the numbers, like a couple of things that are always going through my head is like execution points, like really focusing on what I need to do in order to execute. And those are kind of like the number one things that run through my head. Um, I try really hard to just not let my mind wander because otherwise then I'm not, you know, being focused in where, you know, what it is that I'm doing. I usually find that when I start to let my mind wander, like I get slower. Um, and I've noticed that in, um, races, I forget which race, uh, that I recently do this last year is three loops. And I you like go back to my data and I can tell you when my mind started to wander. Cause my speed dropped like a whole mile per hour. Mm -hmm. And that, that's like 
right? That was me not focusing, not being present. Like we, we talked about earlier in the podcast, like being present within the space that you're in. And that that's where I really try to stay is really present within what I need to do. Like, okay, am I taking my nutrition? Is my cadence up? Um, am I controlling my breathing? What, you know, is my... Am I relaxed in my shoulders on the bike? Because I have a tendency to start to like block and to like hold myself upright. And am I staying arrow? And as how how far do I need to get to that next person? Okay, what do I need to do to get to the next person? Oh, did I drink my water? Like A station comment. Like, right, those are the things that start to run through your head. Is all the things that you need to do, because it's amazing how many things you have to do while you're out there to execute. And, and so that's where for me, like, even when we're not even just talking about things, that things get tough, but like, that's where my brain is almost the entire time I'm out there. Is what do I have to do to execute? Mm-hmm. I think my mindset varies depending on what type of self-talk I feel like I need at that point in the race. Uh, during yeah. the swim, I honestly, and I'm the same way in pool swimming, I kind of just count my strokes. Um, and like, usually in a full distance, I'll get to like 80 and just start counting again from one. Um, but it's more like for me, if I'm counting, my tempo will probably stay the same because I count in rhythm. Um, and I'll just have a more consistent tempo. Um, and then during like the bike and the run, I'll stay focused most of the time on the things I need to execute. But I also am not going to lie. I Wear to myself sometimes like oh, when I, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to walk on the run uh when I know I shouldn't be walking like I'll I'm 100% okay walking through aid stations but sometimes I want to walk in other places and that's when I PG 13 <laughs> rating I just tell myself don't be a fucking bitch boy let's go keep running you're capable <laughs> of still running um, right and a lot of times it's just let's fucking go let's do this you can yeah. do hard things after it um so it's a lot of alternating between that and then the execution stuff like breathe through your nose stay relaxed put your shoulders down don't brace your arms so hard on the bike push down through the pedal all of that mm-hmm. stuff mixed in with my uh motivational words to myself <laughs> <laughs> your explicit language yes <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, there is nothing wrong with explicit verbiage to help you <laughs> get through <laughs> whatever it is that you need to do. Um, I can tell you that uh, that definitely goes through. Uh, that is a part of my motivational talk as well. Um, sometimes, you know what? You just need to give yourself a kick in the ass. And it's just the way that it needs yeah. to be. Just the way that it needs to be. Because um, often, you know, a lot of times it's just because we're 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 getting lazy too. Like it's easy to get lazy out there. Yeah. I definitely like when things get really tough, um, I kind of go back to like this idea of what do I have to do to kind of believe in myself and what that means to me. And so like really kind of focusing on thinking from okay, reminding myself of who I am, what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do and how strong I am. Though I often will tell myself like, you're Caleb Bowker. You are the strongest person out here. You you can do this, right? Like no one's, no one's tougher than you. Like, I tell myself like that, the more that I can believe that, like I have to believe those things. And when I believe those things, then I, 
I get better. And sometimes, like, so growing up, the number one thing that my our my dad would always say to us whenever we needed to do something was just run faster, <laughs> just run faster. Um, and so sometimes yeah. I will say that to myself, like, Kayla, just run faster. You just need to run faster. Um, and that can kind of help as well. But it really, for me, comes down to saying like, um, really focusing on being uh, who I am and believing in that. And so like, that's where I really like, again, I'll, I'll just remind myself in the way I'm like, you're Kayla Bowker. You're tougher than everybody else out here. You've worked harder than everybody else out here. You're stronger than everybody else out here. It's not always true, right? We have no idea how strong everybody else is out there, but that's not the point. Like I'm trying to boost myself up to believe that I'm the strongest person out there. And it doesn't matter if other people are or not. I just need to be. Yeah. So yeah, the other thing I I'll do is I'll divide the course mentally in my head mm. and give myself like just yeah. mental mile markers that I have to get through on the bike. I'll often do it in like 20 mile chunks and on the run. If it's a full distance, it's usually okay. First half marathon, you're just comfortable not comfortable, but, you know, race comfortable. Yeah. Um, just jogging, stay with a consistent pace and just keep running throughout the whole first half because I'm still not quite at the point where I, I hopefully will be at that point by Coeur d'Alene, but where I'm comfortable running through a marathon. Um, I mean, I'll always walk at the aid station, but besides that, um, yeah. so that's like a goal for myself. But right now, just running through the whole first half marathon. And then once I get to that, <laughs> divide the chunks at Kona, for example, I divided it half first half marathon and then that section on the Queen K, then the energy lab, and then the section back in the last like couple of miles or something's how my brain divided it. But I think that just helps me stay focused and makes the race more mentally tolerable. Uh, at uh, <laughs> Ironman Arizona, the very last mile, all that I said to myself was, just get to the finish line, get to the finish line, get to the finish line, get to the finish line. So literally on repeat for like one to two miles, get to the finish line, get to the finish line, get to the Do finish it. line. Like, how can I will myself there? I need to get there. I'm so tired of running. I want off of this run so bad. Yeah. Get to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I agree. And sometimes it up that's is what it is. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to say whatever you need to say, like, Sometimes maybe you'll find yourself like, it's amazing. You'll find like what you turn to in the moment can be different every time. Like maybe you'll start singing a song. Maybe you won't like you could have a song stuck in your head the entire time. And that's what gets you through. And there's nothing wrong with that. Cause that is going to keep you motivated. Um, and you know, it also changes a lot. Like I knew, you know, when I was at Kona, um, I, so like what my motivational self-talk really kind of came down to what got me through the whole race was, you mentioned, you mentioned this earlier, like, right at mile, what was it like five of the bike? You looked over to your left and there was this huge, huge double rainbow, beautiful double rainbow. And for those of you that don't know, I, I miscarried in between having my, uh, having Skylar and Baylor. And then, right, I got pregnant with Baylor. Um, and so he's he's what we call, they call a rainbow baby. So he's my rainbow baby. And I remember 
it was like, I looked over and saw this double rainbow and it was like this extreme, like, yeah, you can do this. Cause it was like this, that, that baby that I lost was talking to me. It was saying, mm-hmm. go for it, Kayla, like, go for it. You can do this. And I literally thought about that the entire time. Like I, I punched it. I went for it. I took a risk. I took a chance all because in that moment, I, something spoke to me and that's okay. And that can happen. And I think that's what you have to allow to happen while you're out there too, is to allow those pieces to speak to you. Cause mm-hmm. you never know what it'll do for you. Yeah. And I think that's how we're going to find the best versions of ourselves. hundred percent. Yeah. Again, kind of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, like allowing yourself to be present in the, in the moment and in mm-hmm. the process. Um, and that, that's, that's where you get the most. So stop worrying about, don't worry about something that's 12 weeks away. Which I probably need to tell myself as we're trying to like find a house in like three weeks so that we can have somewhere to live. In <laughs> May. Stop worrying about May. You got to get through right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we are about at that hour time frame. I have a uh, toddler or a year and a half year old who is losing it um, and needs to go to the pool. Um, I also I want to go to the pool because it's our last day in Mexico. So I'm going to go enjoy the I'm going to go enjoy the sunshine in the pool and uh, play with my kids. So. Um, anything else you want to add, Erin, before we sign off here? No, just happy training, everybody. Get out and enjoy. Happy training. Happy training. It is, it's, it's, it's that time, isn't it? Like most people are really starting to ramp up. We got racing coming up really soon. Challenge. If you're doing challenge Miami, that's in like two weeks. We got, I got an athlete doing challenge Miami, Oceanside and I'm, uh, Texas 70.3 are like Less than six Seven, weeks away. Six weeks, yeah. Right, Texas is coming up, and oh, oh, we got more, more, more children are arriving to the party here. So before it gets crazy here, we will sign off. So again, <laughs> you guys, if um, you would like to, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you to all of you who have. Can I say hi, All of you have already um, listened, subscribed, um, shared. We really appreciate it. Um, the more that you do that, the more that, you know, this will be found and then, you know, we can, we can, um, continue to do, do more of these. And then if you have any questions for us, please send them our way at www.wherefeettakeyou.com slash podcast. We love your questions. As we said earlier, we like to see them. So send them our way. We'll do our best to answer them. We are not experts at all in this. Um, but we have a lot of time spent in it collectively. We love it. And we'll do our best to answer everything the best we can. So, all right. We'll see you guys all next week. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye.